0: Are you ready for common sense retirement planning advice? Tired of the noise coming out of mainstream financial media that doesn't always have your best interest at heart? Looking for someone who will answer the tough questions that applies to your money? Well, welcome to the Plan to Retire podcast. Each week, certified financial planner Jeff Bowers will make you a better investor, consumer, and help you make smart money choices as you journey through retirement. Head on over to, plan to retire.com that's the number two in Plan To Retire, where you can learn more, schedule a no-obligation introductory phone call, or subscribe to this free podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Now, here's your host, Jeff Bowers.
1: Good day, and I hope you're doing well. It's time of the COVID-19. I hope everyone's staying healthy. And today's podcast, we're going to talk about some of the various changes that have been occurring In the retirement plans and IRA space, there's been a lot of legislative changes back from the SECURE Act that was passed in December all the way to the CARES Act that was just recently passed in response to the COVID-19 health crisis. But before we jump into that, a couple housekeeping items, just to let you know that we are not tax advisors or lawyers, so you're not going to get any tax advice or any legal advice today. And any investments that we talk about during the podcast today are just used for illustrative purposes and are certainly not a recommendation for you to go out and buy or sell something based on that information. Lastly, if you want to get any more information about our firm, Plan to Retire, the best place to do that is to go to our website, plantoretire.com, and that's the number two. Check out our disclosures there. It's going to be great to go over this today. What's interesting is about every, it seems like six to 10 years, we have a big piece of legislation that comes about and really changes the landscape as it relates to retirement plans. And that certainly happened in December with the SECURES Act. And then sure enough, right after that, the CARES Act followed up a few months later. So today's podcast, we're going to go over a summary of the changes and some of the opportunities available to you if you have a 401k or 403b if you have an ira or a roth ira i think you'll find this information very useful so first thing i'm going to talk about is the relief for retirement accounts so if you traditionally make a late in the year ira tax deposit Good news for you, the tax filing deadlines have been extended to July 15th, but what's nice about that is you still have the opportunity to make an IRA or Roth IRA contribution for the year of 2019 all the way up to the July 15th date. So That's something to possibly consider. A lot of people aren't aware of the fact. They think they can only make IRA contributions in the year that we're actually in, but you can carry that over and designate that contribution was intended for the previous year. So as part of the CARES Act, they've extended that ability so you can make a deposit all the way up to July 15th, and you want to make sure you indicate in a memo the check or make sure you tell your custodian that has your IRA that you want them to code this as a 2019 contribution if indeed you want it to be that. So that's a nice little item that was added. Other thing is the world of RMDs, required minimum distributions. And let's go over real quick what an RMD is first. RMD is traditionally at the age of 70 and a half or the April 1st in the year that you obtain the age of 70 and a half. You have to start to take distributions from a 401k, 403b, or IRA. Basically, the government wants their tax revenue, so they want you to start taking money out of your retirement accounts. Now, there are some waivers to that. We're not going to get into those in today's podcast, but the traditional age was 70 and one-half, so the year you turn 70 and a half, that's when you have to start to take money out of your retirement account. Well, with the SECURE Act that was passed in December, they increased the age from 70 and a half to age 72 for your rmd now if you were already beyond 70 and a half and had started taking rmds you have to continue that that hasn't changed but if you were turning 70 and a half this year in 2020 you can now delay your rmds all the way to age 72 and i think that's a real positive move because an awful lot of my clients that take their rmds don't want to take the money yet, it's just they're forced to. So they take the money out of a tax deferred account, you know, yielding them five, six, seven percent, and they stick it in a money market account in their savings account, earning almost nothing. So I think this is a real positive that you can delay your RMDs now all the way to age seventy two. That is great. The other thing that happened with RMDs is for 2020, the CARES Act has allowed you to now actually waive the RMD. So even if you were required to take one, being now age 72 or previously 70 and a half, you can actually waive it for this year. So I think that's a great feature. They did this in 2008 when the stock market took a big hit, and the philosophy behind that is, you know, if your account's lost value, the last thing you want to do is take money out of an account when it's down, you want to allow time to let the investments recoup and gain some of their value back. Well, you're getting some relief. So this year, you do not have to take an RMD from either your company retirement plan or IRA. And also, and this is a biggie, if you've inherited an IRA or a Roth IRA, you have an inherited IRA or inherited Roth IRA. You do not have to take your minimum distribution your RMD this year either. So RMDs away for this year, so that's a great deal. Also, RMDs that if you did take an RMD early in the year before they passed the CARES Act, you have the ability to undo that, which is really rare. So let's say you took your minimum distribution in January or in February or in early March before they passed the CARES Act, you can get that money and roll it back into your IRA. Now, there's some rules with that. Number one, the rollover must be completed within 60 days. So, when you received that RMD, you had a 60-day window to roll those funds back in. Also, you cannot have had any type of IRA to IRA or Roth IRA to Roth IRA rollover in the past 12 months. Because remember, rollovers, you're only allowed one in a 12-month period. But you can do unlimited transfers when you transfer funds from one provider to another one. And also non-spouse beneficiaries or any of those inherited IRA or inherited Roth IRA accounts. If you're a beneficiary that was not a spouse of the deceased individual, unfortunately this doesn't apply to you. You cannot undo your RMD. Next thing is relief for individuals that was part of the CARES Act. Now, to qualify for this relief, you have to meet the following definitions. First, you or your spouse or your dependent must be diagnosed with COVID-19. Secondly, if you experience adverse financial consequences from being quarantined, furloughed, or laid off, or having your hours reduced, or you cannot work due to lack of child care, Or if there's a closing or reducing hours of a business owned or operated by you. So again, if you meet any of those criteria, if you had COVID-19, if a spouse or a dependent had COVID-19, or you've had adverse financial consequences hit you, such as being furloughed or your business being closed or losing childcare, you qualify for the following relief that is available to you. So first got to understand you have to have one of those conditions. But if you do, here's a couple options that are available to you. Number one, and this is really interesting, we're going to talk a little bit about whether this is a good idea or not, but first, let's explain what it is. The 10% federal tax penalty is waived for up to $100,000 of 2020 distributions from IRAs and company plans for what they call coronavirus-related distributions, or CRDs. Now, let's talk a little bit more in depth on what that means so you know what the rules are now. Now, if you're under the age of 59 and a half and you go to take a distribution from your IRA or from a company retirement plan, even if that distribution is allowed, you're going to pay your federal income tax plus you're going to pay a 10% tax penalty unless you qualify for one of the few waivers. But in most cases, you're going to have a 10% tax penalty on top of the normal taxes you're going to pay. Now what's important to understand is you also pay state taxes and a state tax penalty. So many times we see people in the 401k plans that we manage do this or in IRA plans. and when they do take these distributions below 59 and a half, you know gosh, they can lose 40 to 50 percent of what they're withdrawing and pay that amount of tax. So, what they're allowing you to do under the CARES Act is you can take up to hundred grand from that IRA or from your 401k without that 10% tax penalty. Now, remember, you had to qualify for this. You had to meet that criteria we talked about a few minutes ago. But if you did, you can withdraw up to $100,000 and not pay your federal 10% tax penalty. Now, interesting enough, a lot of things that people aren't aware of and that are being glossed over is your state, depending on what state you live in, if your state taxes IRA distributions, and not all do, but if your state does tax IRA distributions, that tax penalty that the state normally applies may still apply because states do often what they call decouple most of the time. States historically have gone along when the federal government has made tax changes, but many times you've seen over the last 10 years when federal legislation has come down, that's affected taxes, your particular state may what's called decouple. They may say, no, we're not going to go with a new law. We're going to stick with the old law because we want to maintain a higher tax revenue. And that may very well apply in this case. So just because you got rid of your tax penalty on the federal level Doesn't mean you're going to get rid of the tax penalty on the state level if you do one of these CRDs, these coronavirus related distributions in 2020. Now, let's talk a little bit about taking a distribution from a retirement account because beyond the taxes, there's often a much greater penalty that you're paying. And I often walk people through this exercise. In fact, just recently I had this conversation with a client who had called me and asked, was it a good idea for her to take $10,000 out of her IRA so she could pay the closing cost to refinance her mortgage? So we walked through a couple things in the phone conversation and here's some things you want to consider. And this is what we considered with this client. Number one, in this case, this client was about age 50, going to likely retire around age 70. So what we got to look at is the $10,000 that she was going to take out at age 50. I said to her, are you really taking $10,000 out of your account? Think about the future value. What is that account worth 10 years from now? What is that $10,000 worth 20 years from now within your IRA? And if we just used a small basic return. Let's use an example of $10,000 in her case at age 60, that would have doubled her rate of return to around $20,000. The $20,000 at age 60 would have doubled to $40,000 by the time she's age 70. So we talked about it and she realized she's not really withdrawing $10,000 out of her account. She's withdrawing $40,000 out of her account in future income producing asset value. So 20 years from now, she's basically stealing and taking $40,000 from her potential income from herself. So when you take funds out of retirement accounts, make sure it is truly, truly the last resort. Because beyond the taxes you're paying, you're actually penalizing yourself on what is that future value down the line. And you know the old adage, your future self may thank you. In this case, for her, it just did not make sense to take that kind of hit looking at her overall financial picture and also looking at her particulars of her current mortgage. So even though this $100,000 distribution is available, be very careful what that does to your future value when you take that out of an account. Oftentimes, we get in a habit on our retirement accounts and our IRAs We get that quarterly statement or monthly statement, or we log on to the account and look at it and we see this big dollar amount and we get that savings account mentality. And what I often counsel clients on and employees on our 401k plans that we serve is don't be thinking of this, these retirement accounts as a savings account, be thinking of them as an income producing asset And what I mean by that is just because you have half a million dollars in your 401k doesn't mean you have half a million dollars of spending power if you go in and want to just take all the money out. First, you're going to get hit with the taxes. Secondly, you're going to get the loss of the future income stream. It would be much better to express that half a million dollars as what does that mean to me in future income maybe half a million dollars for a typical 70-year-old is going to generate in a ballpark of twenty-two, twenty-three hundred dollars $2,300 a month in income. So you really don't have half a million dollars in your IRA. You have an asset that is going to produce a little over 2000 a month in retirement income. So that's the way you really want to think about that. And when you think about it in that context, you realize that it's not a good idea oftentimes to do these distributions. But enough about that. It is available. Second thing that's interesting, if you do take this CRD distribution, they're doing something rather unique. Instead of you paying the federal tax all in one year, the IRS is going to allow you to spread that tax out over three years. So you can spread that tax out over three subsequent years. Now again, no details if the states are, this can depend on the individual state. But the federal government is going to allow you to spread that money out over the three years. Interesting thing, too, at some point during that three years, you can repay the funds. So, this CRD, this coronavirus related distribution, acts somewhat like a hardship withdrawal on a 401k, but also acts like a little bit like a loan in the sense that you can decide to pay this thing back. So, if you're two years into this, let's say you've taken $50,000 out of your IRA. You paid one third of the tax when you filed your 2020 return. You paid another third of your tax when you filed your 2021 return. And you've just done that. You realize, well, I have the ability now of paying my funds back because maybe I inherited money from a relative. Well, you can do that. You can pay the funds back and you can get your tax back but what you have to do is go back and refile your taxes to be able to get that tax back that you paid. So you do have the ability to repay this, pay it over a three-year period, and you can actually pay it back if you do it sometime during that three-year period. Just have to go through some hoops to do that. Another thing that's happened in the law, the CARES Act relates to retirement plan loans. This is your 401ks and your 403bs that have loan provisions. And remember, Just because the federal government changes the rules on a 401k loan doesn't mean your employer has. A couple reasons why. One, you may not even have 401k loans available in your company retirement plan. And two, your employer has to actually amend. They actually have to change their 401k plan to allow this change to occur. They have to change their loan agreement on their plan. But if they do, What's happened is the maximum amount used to be $50,000 that you could obtain in a 401k loan. Well, that has now been increased to $100,000 or 100% of your plan balance, whichever is less, which is interesting that you can now take a loan for up to hundred grand or a hundred percent of your account value in your company retirement plan. But again, be cautious with that too, because a loan is exactly that. It's a loan. It must be paid back. If you do not pay back the loan, it becomes taxable and it could have some ramifications as relating to the investments in your account as well. Another thing is you also have, or the stipulation on that new loan increase is that only applies to loans that have been taken within 180 days of when the CARES Act passed. So the CARES Act passed, I believe it was late March, early April. So you have six months from that time to open a loan and to get the benefit of this higher amount. Once you pass that period, it's not going to be available, of course, that's unless Congress comes along and extends it. Another thing is it relates to existing 401k loans. If you have an existing 401k loan, the loan payments that are normally due right now during 2020, you can defer for up to one year. So you can defer those payments for up to a year if you have an existing 401k loan. So just to review real quick though, these provisions are all available, but you have to qualify. Did you have COVID-19? Did a spouse had COVID-19? Did a dependent had COVID-19? Or did you suffer some sort of adverse economic stance as it relates to COVID-19? Something like losing your job or having your hours reduced or losing daycare. So you have to qualify for all that first before you're able to do it. That's a lot of the big changes that occurred in retirement plans here in from the SECURE Act and from the CARES Act. A lot of information there to unpack. If you think there's something that's more pertinent to you, we always encourage you to give us a call. You can schedule that on our website at plantoretire.com. We actually have access to the schedule, and we also encourage you to seek guidance from your tax advisor if you have a tax-related question on those matters. Now, next thing today is kind of interesting. I picked up an article recently in 401k specialist, magazine is quite interesting where they talk about the five most expensive states for retirement and the five least expensive states for retirement. So this was from a study that was done on howmuch.net. That's howmuch.net. And what they did is they took an analysis of all 50 states and the District of Columbia and came up with the most expensive states that if you want to retire, and the least expensive states. We're going to go over some information on that now because I think you're going to really find this useful. Talk a little bit first about the least expensive states to retire and the dollar amounts. And they used a retirement of what they called a comfortable retirement. They didn't go into detail what was defined as a comfortable retirement, but they did use equal parameters with all these states. The least expensive state to retire in is Mississippi and a 65-year-old would need $617,000, almost $618,000, to live comfortably in the state of Mississippi. Number two least expensive state was Tennessee, and about $661,000 is going to be needed. Alabama, the third least expensive state, or number three on the list, you'd need just about $713,000. Oklahoma was number four on the list. Oklahoma, $724,000 would be needed for a typical retiree to live comfortably. And number five, rounding out the top five on the five least expensive states to retire in is Arkansas. Arkansas. And about $728,000 would be needed in a lump sum to live comfortably. So there you have it. Mississippi, Tennessee, Alabama, Oklahoma, Arkansas are the five cheapest or least expensive states (laughs) to retire in. I thought that was interesting. Now, the converse talks a little bit about the most expensive states to live in. And these you could probably almost think of, but we'll go over them anyway. Here's the most expensive states. We'll count them down. The fifth most expensive state is Oregon. And for a typical retiree in Oregon, you would need about $1,336,000. Alaska, you're going to need $1,342,000. New York, you're going to need about California is the number two most expensive state. You're going to need $1,456,000 and a lump sum to be able to, to retire comfortably. And the most expensive state to retire in is Hawaii. So wonderful place to visit. Apparently it's pretty expensive to live there. So if you want to retire and move to Hawaii, be aware you're moving to what they think is the most expensive state in the Union. And you're going to need one million and about eight hundred and forty-five thousand dollars to be able to retire and to live comfortably in the state of Hawaii as the most expensive state. So there you have it. Mississippi's the least expensive state, and Hawaii is the most expensive state. Now, interesting enough, too, we talk a little bit, some people asked a question about what about the traditional states that we all think of, like Arizona and Florida? Well, Arizona, you would need about a million dollars to retire comfortably. In Florida, you're going to be 927,000. So neither made the 10 most expensive, but they definitely made the top 20 most expensive states. Some other information that came out of this survey, and again, this is from HowMuch.net, studying the least and most expensive states to live in the country, is average life expectancy nationwide now for a retiree is 78.6. Hawaii had the highest life expectancy. So Hawaii's the most expensive, but apparently you have the best chance of living the longest. So Hawaii has the highest life expectancy at 81.5 while Mississippi had the lowest life expectancy of 74.5. So it's interesting, the most expensive state, you have the highest life expectancy, and the least expensive state, you have the lowest life expectancy. So I'm sure that's a lot of reason that one is the most and one is the least. You know, Hawaii, you're living longer, so you need more money. Mississippi, the average person is unfortunately living less, so they don't need as much money. So that was interesting. Another thing from the survey is nationally, the average yearly expenses for someone over age 65 is $51,624. Now, if you live in Mississippi, the least expensive state to live in, that has the lowest annual expense of $44,758. Hawaii, that has the highest, is $99,170 is what you need a year. Thought that'd be interesting. That information also comes from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, their 2018 Consumer Expenditure Survey. So good information there about the least and most expensive states to live in. Hope you've really enjoyed today's podcast with the information we've had about the changes in the retirement plan and some of this information about the least and most expensive places to live. We're going to be expanding the podcast into taking viewer and listener questions. So if you have a question that you would like us to answer, please email that to me at podcast at plan to retire.com. That's podcast at Plan to retire, and that's the number two.com. And again, if you'd like to maybe talk with us individually of something you want to chat about, my schedule is on our website, plan to retire.com. And with that, thank you, and I hope everyone has a great day and stay healthy.
0: Thank you for tuning into the Plan to Retire podcast. Head on over to plan to retire.com. That's the number two. So plan the number two retire.com. To learn more, schedule a no-obligation introductory phone call or to subscribe to this free podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. We'll see you next time on the Plan to Retire podcast.